0: Hi, welcome back to another episode of The Last Three Things. Uh, this is episode five. Wow. Um, my name is Chris Spencer, and I'm joined by
1: Amelia Kramer and Leah Kraft.
0: Uh, you all get better at that every time. Thank you, uh, thank you so much. That's it's good. Really <laughs> doing
1: <laughs> everything in my power. I really,
2: really struggled to do it everything the first time. So anything <laughs> is an improvement from that.
1: Literally, the first episode, we were all just like heavily breathing into the microphone, <laughs> and it was just three hours of that. Heavily breathing into the microphone. <laughs> this is actually turned into an
0: ASMR. Yep. Asm- A- ASMR. A S S M R. I'm trying. I was trying to think of a funny acronym, but I couldn't think of one. Um, For a a- S- S- Amelia Spencer. Oh. Um. Leah, what's your middle name?
1: My middle name is Michelle. So the, the <gasps> M. Could Michelle. Be Michelle. This is perfect.
0: Leah Spencer Michelle. Ridiculous.
1: Yeah. I said Leah. <laughs> I said Amelia. Yeah, I, you
0: said Leah's Amelia Hawaii. Spencer Michelle. Ridiculous. ridiculous asmr perfect
1: that's actually okay, the new name we're starting over
0: yeah um that makes me think of you might you all might have seen my tweet the other night it was at like three o'clock in the morning um <laughs> jamie jamie and i were watching high school musical oh, the God, series love, yeah. the musical or the musical the series Ooh. i can't remember the disney plus one oh i haven't um, seen it that. was actually good it was actually really? like we finished the first season it was it was uh i, did I not enjoyed expect a lot you of to it to say that um, did you watch it, Amelia? Did you say you had no, watched it? No, I haven't seen oh. it. Oh, the take—the take, the take they—the the way they do it is really interesting. Um, it's the show takes place hey, in wait, the high school. Hey, wait! This should be your
1: thing for next time. I ain't fucking watching that. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'll watch it if you tell me to.
0: This is not a spoiler. This is just the first episode. Oh, like this is okay, the premise. Okay. Like the show takes place in the high school that the original high school musical movie was shot in. Oh yeah. So nice. like it's a real high school and it's following, I mean real, you know, it's all fake. It's a, it's a fictional show, but <laughs> it's following students that are as their school musical performing high school musical. God, that's meta. Oh, it's, man. it's very interesting. So <laughs> a lot of it, it's like, it's kind of shot in like the office style where they, they, have like a documentary crew and then they have cutaway interviews and things so like that. Do, so did they actually um,
1: perform this musical? Was it like real high school students? Is this
0: uh, based on real events? So you know how in the first high school musical movie, they don't actually show the musical. It's all about the auditions and the lead up process. And yeah. then like the, the musical happens off screen between the first and second movies. Yeah. Um, the, the conclusion of the season Spoiler alert. The conclusion of the season is the performance of the show. Oh. And kind of... But, but they, don't, they don't... The whole episode, like the last episode, is not like... And here's High School Musical performed by these students. It's still entirely about the drama and the difficulties in that production. It's about those characters. Gotcha. Um, and how that music... Anyways, this was all to, to tell the story about... We were watching the show... And I, I had plugged up my phone to charge for the night and I had put it away from me so I wasn't looking at it and cause it was like two o'clock in the morning or something like that. And <laughs> I just said, hand me my phone, Jamie. And I took it and I tweeted and I said, LGBTQ stands oh, for let's go bro to quest parentheses outdoors. And I don't know why I thought of that, but I still think it's maybe one of the best tweets <laughs> I've ever is that I've, related I've to produced. High School Musical in any way, or is it just... Um, very loosely. Nothing like nothing in the show directly inspired it, just maybe some of the conversations about characters in the gotcha. show and, and, and things like that. I did um, see
2: I, that. I was convinced that it was either some kind of like anime reference or video game <laughs> reference that I just did yeah. not
1: understand. So oh, I was yeah. like, okay, I'm going I'm to... No, you understood
0: it perfectly. It was me being a dumb-dumb <laughs> yeah. doo-doo head.
1: Yeah, I've been, like, not yeah. getting on Twitter a whole lot lately, but, like... That's good. very healthy. But, like, I I did just open it, and that was the first thing I saw, and then I just closed <laughs> the app. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, Fantastic. well, we're good for the day. Yeah. <sighs> <clears throat> should we talk about the things we're supposed to talk about? I guess yeah, maybe that's we a, should do
0: that. That's a good idea. Who, who wants to go first?
2: Uh, <laughs> that is a great
1: cue.
0: Well, um, Chris, you're
1: wearing a Game Boy shirt, so why don't you start? Okay, sure.
2: That's a good reason.
1: Yeah. Um, Whoever's wearing the Game so Boy shirt gets to go first. It's always. That's the first. rule. So
0: it's only me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I have two Game Boy. I have a Game Boy hoodie and a Game Boy shirt. What happens when I wear the shirt?
1: You get to you go, go first. first. And you go last. If it says Game Boy on your body, oh. you get to go if first. If you're not
0: first, you're last. <laughs> um so, this week, what I brought to the table, it was two things, actually, but I consider them one unit. Uh, two video games called, one called The Stanley Parable and one called The Beginner's Guide. And they don't share the entire same development team, but the, the sort of the concept creator and lead creative design person behind, is the same between both the games. Davy Reedon. Um and just for a little history, the Stanley Parable started out as a mod for a game called Half-Life 2, which kind of a bunch of mods came out for What's Half-Life 2. What's a mod? 2.
2: I a heard mod, them saying that in the second one, and I was like, what is that?
0: Yeah, a mod is basically... It can mean a lot of things based on the games that they're made for. Is but it like model? No, it's a modification oh. Oh. of an existing video game, so you don't have to build a game from the ground up you make a mod which changes the, the sort of building blocks of a game that already exists.
2: Uh, okay. Um,
0: and mods exist in, in from, like, very small capacities to very large capacities. So, like, you could have a mod for a game, like, like this is all theoretical. Let's say you take Call of Duty, and you take the single-player mode in Call of Duty, and somebody makes a mod that adds a new gun to Call of Duty single-player. Uh-huh. The game is still the same. You still play the same game all the way through, but you have access to this new gun that they've put. That, that's somebody that a user, not the creators of the games, have have put into the game. And then the mods can go all the way to the end of the Stanley Parable, which is where they strip the game... They strip all of the normal gameplay and everything out of the game and just use that canvas to build a whole new experience or story or or type of gameplay. Okay. And, and that's what... Yeah, that's what the Stanley Parable started out as. It started out solely as a mod for Half Life Two that you could download as long as you had Half Life Two and install it and then play it that way. Um, and there was enough of a positive critical response to it um, that Davey Reeden decided to break it out into its own game okay. that you could that that you would pay money for, um, that that you would purchase rather than just download off of a mm-hmm. web page and 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 play. So. That came out. That the the full game came out in 2013. I believe the mod came out in 2011. Um, and and principally they're the same thing. The the full sized game or the full length game is just an expansion, basically of the concepts that were implemented in the mod. Um, and and I kind of would describe. Well, and and I'll say I'll explain this. I've played the Stanley Parable. Tons and tons of times. I've played it a lot. Did Um, you get
2: to every single type of, like, ending?
0: So, (coughs) initially when I played it, I got, like, one ending and was satisfied and didn't play it. I didn't even know there were other endings.
2: Oh. Um, Mm. I kind of
0: thought it was all siloed off into one ending, and any choice I could make would end up at that ending. Yeah. Um, Of course, I played it when it came out in 2013, so I would have been... 16 at the time. Yeah. So, my relationship with games was very different when I was 16 versus now. Um, And then eventually I I learned that there's a bunch of different ways you can play it, and I went back and played as many of the endings as I could find naturally. And then eventually I found a list online of all the ways to achieve different endings, and I did all of those myself. Okay, Um, I have a
2: question about it. So for the Stanley's parable... (coughs) What are you actually doing? Like, what, what are... Like, I couldn't even tell that yeah, someone I was kind playing of, anything. Like, I it kind didn't of. Felt seem that like too. they were doing anything.
0: That's interesting. So, um, the genre of game that I guess you would describe The Stanley Parable as is called a walking simulator. Um, and they kind of became really popular in 2013 with games like The Stanley Parable and Gone Home and some other games. Um, and that's pretty much what you do is you, you okay. walk around through a narrative environment. There's okay. not many ways that you interact with that environment. It's mostly just you are walking through that and experiencing a story.
1: Okay. okay. So it's just it's just like storytelling through video games, other than Exactly. Instead of whatever you would call the other thing where you have to like be really good at good at stuff. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you
0: would, it, it, it's, it is an, uh, rather than you exerting force on an environment, mm-hmm. it is an environment exerting force upon you. Mm-hmm. Right. I guess is the kind of way that I would describe it. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, I did actually, and, and, but, oh, sorry. Yeah.
0: No, no, go ahead, please. No,
1: I just, like, I'm not good at video games, and so, like, watching I mean, yeah. the, watching the playthrough of this, like, this seems like something that I would actually enjoy playing, because, like, I'm not good, like, at remembering, you know, what buttons to push and, like, being able to fight other things, and, right. like, I'm just not good yeah. at that kind of stuff, so I, I would much prefer, like, seeing a story like that and, like, trying to decipher some kind of narrative and make sense of it, because when I was watching the playthroughs, yeah. I was kind of just, like, I don't know what's happening, I just, things keep ending, and we keep, like,
0: <laughs> I just, right. you know, I just <laughs>
1: fell out a window, like, why, you know, like, just, right. <laughs> um, okay, my audio might have there for a second but I'm back but yeah, yeah so it's I, just like I would actually I think I would enjoy playing it Amelia you had said it would make more sense actually playing through it yourself
2: yeah um, I think so
1: but yeah I, I agree I would enjoy trying to actually intellectually decipher something rather than just like fighting a bunch of stuff right. yeah <laughs> yeah
2: I think that I would like it initially but I think that I would probably get bored with it, like, like as I do with all video games. Like, mm-hmm. there's just, it comes to a certain point where I just, I cannot care about it enough to, like, continue doing it. Like, if I ever did get to the end of it, I would just be like, oh, that's the end. I don't have to, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> redo I have,
1: that, have restarted Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time more. I have never finished it, but I have started it more times than I can count. <laughs> I really yeah, have. I I'm really why. good at, the, at playing through the beginning because I've started it <laughs> so many times.
2: I felt that way when I was doing that... What was that Netflix movie? Like, Boulder Dash or something Ooh, like that? Yeah, oh, yeah. It, like
1: it was like... Bandersnatch. The Bandersnatch. Bandersnatch. <laughs> yep.
2: Bandersnatch. Yep,
1: I kept trying to get through all the endings and I was like, okay, yeah. fuck it. I don't care anymore. Like, at first, I was like, this is
2: really cool. And then I was like, I am so
1: bored of hearing the
2: same thing over and over and like yeah. redoing stuff.
0: Like, and, You know what I mean? And that's a good point. And I think that's kind of why... I would almost describe Stanley Parable as a toy box because you're kind of running around and if you played this versus me playing this now as who we are today, Mm -hmm. because I play so many video games, my, one of my like instincts is how do I break this? Like, like what is there in this environment that is like, out of place or like, what are the Easter eggs or whatever? Mm -hmm. And that was what was so fascinating to me when I finally went back to Stanley parable after the first time I played it. And you, if you just pay attention to all the details in the environment you see like monitors that say, um, prepare, preparing for input and you go up to it and you press it. And then like a little ticker adds onto it. And every time you restart the game, another monitor is that, is that way. And, and you, Once you get to all of them, it becomes another – you get a different type of ending. So it's – Stanley Parable for me initially was an exercise in what does my language, my video game language, interaction language with video games, what does that naturally lead me to find in the Stanley Parable? Mm -hmm. So, like, um, I think I naturally found the window – because there's no jumping in the game. There's no way to jump. Mm-hmm. So you have to run at a certain angle at this chair. <laughs> and it brings you up onto the desk. And then you can crouch and go out the window. <laughs> and there's, a, there's a, like a, an, a planned eventuality for that. Yeah. Um, and that was, that, initially when I played Stanley Parable, it was just so funny. It was just, like, Mm -hmm. so novel and unique, and it's, like, poking fun at the the fallacy of choice in these pre-programmed experiences that we go through. I mean, like, you have games like Mass Effect where you have all these different choices, but even across three games, by the time you finish the third game, those choices lead to the same outcome where you get to make a, a final choice that changes the ending. Mm-hmm. So, so even though you have all these choices and it does affect the story along the way, but the conclusion of the story is the same with all those choices. So the Stanley parable comes out and, and starts poking at you of like, do you really have any free will in this narrated universe yeah. where you're, you're doing exactly what we're telling you, or when you disobey that, is it also a planned mm-hmm. eventuality? All of these things are planned. Um,
2: yeah, I thought and, it was extremely fascinating. Like, yeah, it was really like, I don't know, it was cool to like go on a journey and be like, now am I the, am I the narrator? Or am I this person walking? Or am I supposed right. to feel like an outsider? And those are two other people? Or like, yeah, it was, it was cool. I liked yeah. the part where the narrator was
1: like, I'm you,
2: Stanley, like, I'm, I'm your thoughts in your head. Yeah, no, um, I like
1: I, I also really liked the very interesting POV cuz it's like mm-hmm. it's 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 your POV as if you're that person but also yeah the narrator kind of takes this like conventional reality and is like oh like well actually who am i you know like yeah, who's talking right. cuz like you know you're not actually talking in the body and it's just the narrator but like then the narrator yeah. is you and then you're also like but the narrator is like not talking <laughs> you know it's just like a weird yeah. kind of blur and, and you're like, I, can I i did trust enjoy the that narrator? Yeah, can I
2: trust like what right. I'm doing? Like, am I different than the narrator, or right. am I try am I trying to follow what the narrator's telling or not? Or, right? Yeah, it was just an interesting like play.
1: Yeah,
0: well, and and I will say, oh, go ahead, go ahead.
1: No, you're good. I was I was gonna segue into the next one. So if you have more, like in, into the yeah, other I, game, if you
0: have. Yeah, I I have only one thing left, and that was that, the la- I, I replayed this game in the last couple days to prepare for this. Um. And there was actually an ending that I got that I did not know existed. There was mm-hmm. one ending. Like, cause what was after it? I, It was the one where you unplug the phone cord. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then it, it puts you, like, like it it becomes the real person ending where yeah. they said, oh, I, of course, you're a real person. No wonder everything's been going wrong and <laughs> yeah. it's breaking and everything like that. Yeah. Um, and that one was the only one with actual credits, I thought, which was interesting. Mm. Um, none of the other ones end with uh crediting oh, the developers yeah. um well,
1: maybe that's like the I mean, the, fi- the, the final one kind of you know does. final final like <laughs> right
0: <laughs> yes final final.mp4 so
1: how do you even unplug I,
2: like when I'm playing video games I'm just literally pressing buttons not knowing what I'm doing just like going up to things and like press 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 like see if anything will happen like did you just like walk around the rooms and be like click 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 or just like
0: Kind of, China. yeah, that's that's kind of what you end up doing. Because, I mean, with, with Stanley Parable, your number of interactions are, you have movement. A few you have, things, you, yeah. You have 360 degree turning and movement yeah. and camera control. And then on top of that, you have two other interactions, which are um, crouch and interact. And your oh. interact button does opens doors, it like pulls out cables, it okay. inputs things into computers, things like that. And if, uh, the video probably didn't show it, but they do, the first time you play it, they do give you, like, button prompt pop-ups for how to open doors okay. and all that kind of stuff. So, um, eventually, like, like, if Stanley Parable was the only video game you ever played, you still would be able to complete all of those endings without needing outside knowledge of how video games work. Right. If that makes sense. Um, but, and... and So I played Stanley Parable in 2013, finished it, loved it, or quote, finished it, got an ending, loved it. And it kind of always sat in the back of my mind as this really funny game that Mm -hmm. was so novel and weird. um, And it was the first, I, I played two walking simulators, Gone Home and The Stanley Parable. They both came out in 2013. And that was kind of my first introduction into, hey, a video game could be entirely story and, I could still love it. Yeah. I don't need to I don't need to have f- such control. It doesn't have to be a power fantasy, it doesn't have to be X Y or Z criticisms of video games and then like I, I don't play a lot of them. Jamie plays a lot more of them than I do. Um, visual novels be like are just clicking text options. There's no for most of them there's no movement or anything like right. that. And it op- it opened me up to a whole other genre of games where it's like a, a, the weird gray space between a book or film and a video game, yeah. mm-hmm. where it's like a it strips away
2: adventure novel.
0: Yes, exactly. Um, but and and but that yeah. kind of leads that kind of leads me into the beginner's guide, which is um, gameplay wise even more straightforward than um, the Stanley mm-hmm. Parable. It is it is a point A to point B story that you are walking through. And there are ways you can places places you can stop along the way and see things that you might not see if you didn't stop, but there's nothing that's going to impact the direction of the game or the narrative or anything like that. Right. And before I say anything else, like what did you all think about that about that?
1: I was gonna say I had something really profound and then I forgot what was. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I'm I just too long. I'm just stupid. That's not
0: true.
1: I think it was. Because like, there's only the one ending in the beginner's guide. And right. I I like that also because it's like you have one goal that you're working towards. And like with the Stanley Parable, it's like there's so many endings. You're like, okay, well, like when do you know if you've gotten them all or if you've actually right. finished the game or like whatever? So that. That question's gone in the beginner's guide, but I think, I think the multiple endings is cool because it's gonna keep you playing the game. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. like it's gonna yep. keep you searching and keep it. Like you're gonna go back and you're probably gonna find something new each time you do it. And I think that I mean the beginner guide. Beginner's guide was still interesting, and I like the the walkthrough aspect of it. But it's also like. Okay, well you finish the game where like there's not really a whole lot of other stuff that you can do and nothing you know so like okay it's just finished and I feel like the Stanley Parable is gonna is one that's gonna keep you actually coming back to it and like really looking for other stuff because there's always that option of like okay well did I actually get all the endings like let's see if I can find anything new right. and it just like it keeps I feel like the Beginner's Guide loses a little bit of that kind of like excitement and interest factor. By only yeah. having the one ending. Okay, I want to make sure that I
2: watch the right thing because I was confused while I was watching it. It's the maker of the of Stanley's parable, like explaining what the game is.
0: Oh, th- what the beginner's guide is. Yeah. Yeah, that's that is the game. It sounds like a director's commentary, but that is the that, entirety. Okay, of... so what
2: he's saying in the in what I watched is part of the game. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Cause and, I, that makes a lot more sense because I was like, if this, if this, if this narrator or like person was not talking about this, like, I would be like, what, what is, what am I doing yeah. here? It like, also right. it was, no, it
1: was like oddly haunting. It was. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. and I can't, like, it wasn't haunting in a way I was like, oh, it was like creepy. It was just like, re- it was just like uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. like in a, in a cool way. But I was also like, ooh, like I don't I feel weird. You know, like I feel weird I, watching this.
2: Like I felt like it was way, way more like personal than yeah. Stanley's Parable where like Stanley's Parable I feel like is more of like a relatable I don't know. Like it, it brings a lot of it brings like, you in. You have a character. Whereas, yeah. yeah. That you're playing. Beginner's guide, I'm like
1: in beginner's I, I guide kind of, you're just you.
2: Yeah. I felt like it was someone else's story yeah and, and yeah. it was just like it, it was his ideas and his game, and I don't know. I didn't feel as like connected to it, I feel.
0: Yeah. I think uh, this is, this is completely arbitrary, but people <laughs> we, we have these conversations about like, what are your five favorite movies? What are your five favorite books? What are your five mm-hmm. favorite games? And, and when when I think about the question of like, what are my five favorite games, I can only think of Stanley Parable and beginner's Guide as as one game. yeah I, I, I think of I th- basically think of beginner's Guide as the quote true ending to the Stanley parable.
1: okay okay
0: yeah. Um, it feels like so purely an extension of the ideas that are hinted at in Stanley Parable just in a in a more Textual way versus Mm -hmm. interactive way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and there's a there's a great podcast episode uh of a show called Tone Control. It came out almost two years ago to the day, like February twenty eighteen, where the guy who was the lead designer on Gone Home, which I know you all don't know anything about Gone Home, but interviews Davey Reedon about the Stanley Parable and the Beginner's Guide. Okay. And listening to his, well, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. I The Beginner's Guide came out two years after the Stanley Parable, so sometime in 2015. Um, I didn't play it until 2016 or 2017. I can't exactly remember. Um, and I played through it for the first time, and I had the same experience as the Stanley Parable, which was like, oh, this was really interesting. It's novel, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's witty, and now it's kind of out of my mind. But as I yeah. came back to these things, and eventually when I heard that podcast with Davey Reden, it really, really stuck with me how... The thing that brought me into Stanley Parable and that brings me into, like, most of my favorite movies and books is how reflexive it is mm-hmm. of, like, the Stanley Parable. And I, I this is going to be close to a quote from that podcast because I was just listening to it again earlier today. The Stanley Parable is a mirror held up to you, the player. Like, the Stanley Parable is looking at yeah. you through the monitor and pointing at you and saying, ha ha ha, we know what you're doing. We know what you're trying to do and yeah. we're prepared for that. And this is what you get for it. And then the beginner's guide is the Stanley parable, holding a mirror and me holding a mirror back. <laughs> and it's reflecting back on itself um, to the point that like, the line between creator and player is completely blurred. Yeah. So like the Stanley parable, you, you are walking through as you're walking through the sequence. You feel like you're creating the sequence as you go. Yeah. The beginner's guide is taking that sequence that you experienced and saying, okay, actually we, I made all this and you have, and you have to sit with it and and it does that by introducing a fictional creator in the middle of you and Davy, introducing Coda as, mm-hmm. okay, I'm talking through you walking through these environments made by this third party. Who's not a part of this. Yeah. And it's so, I think that's what most emotionally resonated with me in the end of it was you at a certain point the creator doesn't matter anymore at a certain point if you remove the personality and the celebrity of a creator from a game and somebody just experiences it in a vacuum Mm -hmm. it's still a valid experience it's still whatever their independent thought process brings them to conclusion wise about that work and about that piece of fiction it's still it's still a part of something that you made. Yeah. If that makes sense. I'm getting really kind of out there with it. Um, but I don't know. I don't want to rehash too much of that podcast here, but Davey's explanation of like how he got to making the Stanley parable and then making the beginner's guide and, and the concepts that went into that and creative everything, uh, I found really, I won't say relatable because I think he has a whole lot more talent than I do. Um, (laughs) But some of, the th- some of the things he introduces about what made The Beginner's Guide turn out the way that it did, he basically said, like, the first big thing you make, the first big thing you make, you have all of your lived experiences up until that moment that you are trying to cram into uh, one yeah. thing. Yeah. And, and, and I, I had this same feeling when I was doing my senior thesis film. Yeah. Mm. And, mm-hmm. Amelia, I, I imagine you had a similar, yeah. similar time where when you start in this creative process and you're putting down all your ideas, you, just, you have so many because they've built up over literally 20... Your whole life. At that point, 22... Yeah, 22 years. And so when you finally get to make the thing and, and, and use those ideas, you spend up all of them. You spend yeah. that entire currency. Yeah. And what you do next... What you, the next thing that you build speaks more loudly about your actual creative ability. Mm. Because you, you have to then imagine something new. Right, yeah. because all of, all of your built-up
1: ideas are, have been used already. Have been used. Yeah. There's yeah. Also, exactly. also, this is a sidebar, but the art of when you make your first big thing... Trying not to put every single idea you've ever thought of in the entire course of yeah. your life into one thing yeah. is very hard to do because you yeah. you just are like, oh, this is my first thing. I just want to get it all out there because I finally have the right. skills and the knowledge to do it. And then you just kind of throw it into the world. And yeah. Like, In probably I probably not
2: the most concise or best way.
1: Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. it's like I, like I directed a film, and, like, I mean, I'm not, like, it was wonderful, and, like, the guy who wrote it was a wonderful guy, and he was, like, he did a great job for having no knowledge previously. But you could definitely tell that it was like, okay, I have 30 years of ideas into this one screenplay, and I was like, right. we got to take it, and we got to take two steps back, you know, but, like, yeah. it's definitely very easy to just, put everything into one thing that you're excited about. Exactly. And I'm sorry, I just went this the sidebar, and like I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. No, that's I'm fantastic. A, I, do, I also I th- grabbed a White Claw, for those of you who can't see me, <laughs> so this is drink. We're, we're having a good time here on this Wednesday evening.
0: I think that's what... I think that what we were just talking about is what leads to student films seeming so heavy on references and... and pretty yes. much just masturbatory. Yeah. Like I think a lot <laughs> yeah. a lot of, well, especially young men, especially young men's films who have never, young, young men in school who are making movies for the first time, who have never been told, hey, everybody else has seen the movies that you've seen. You're not saying anything new by referencing those things. You're
1: not saying anything um, new by referencing Hollywood
0: blockbusters. Like, you're I mean, not shocking well, exactly. anybody
1: by referencing those films.
0: But, I mean, I'll, I'll even go further and say, like, I don't care how edgy you are or how like underground you are. Like everyone's seen what you've seen. Yeah, yeah everyone's seen. It's Kane, my friend. It's not. Yeah, it's not everyone <laughs> everyone's seen Blue Velvet. Everyone's yeah. seen Twin Peaks. You know, yeah. every, everyone's right. seen the the like experimental Freaking things. Freaking Clockwork the Orange. Where,
1: people, you like, like Clockwork Orange, and I'm like, right. You like The Godfather, and I'm like, not really. And they're like, are you stupid? And I'm like, I just don't like The Godfather. Like I don't, I
0: don't know what to tell you. And so, w- the Stanley Parable gets away with it, I think, because video games are such a young medium that we haven't had the chance to get like
1: cliche. Okay,
0: and we've seen we've yeah. seen all this yeah. before, and, and and I think that's why Stanley Parable succeeds, is because there's there's re- relative to film, there's so little games criticism, like like yeah. like educated academic games criticism, which we've talked about on the show before, but there's so little discussion of like. Well, what goes into making a game a certain way, and Say the parable gets away with it because it was kind of the first game that held that mirror up and said, "Hey, this is what 's happening, this is what everything of all of this is built on
1: yeah. yeah, I agree, well, and I also think that video games are such a cool medium because, like you said, it 's still newer obviously than films, but also Like, to make a film, there are so many rules and so many regulations, and yeah, you can, like, you know, oh, you know the rules to break the rules, but, like, you break too many and then you just get stupid. And so, but I think, like, you know, in a film, if you have 70,000 different endings to something people are just going to be like what well, why was this 5 hours long yeah. and where right. am i but like if you do it in a video game like you there's so much more creative freedom i feel like in that medium right. because it's like oh well, okay, you, you can have so many different endings and people will go find them all because that's the point you know like yeah. the point of a film is to reach a conclu- one conclusion and you know and you can do different stuff and you can have all that other all those easter eggs and stuff in video games because the point is to go hunting for them yeah. which is right. not the point in films
2: and video games like inevitably like you are a part of them like the player the right. person that is interacting with it is a part of it so that just adds a whole like other layer onto right. the experience of it
0: right there's a, a stand-up bit that i saw from some british comedian I've, i think i've seen the video but i've seen it in like image form more than anything else And his whole thing was like, video games are the hardest medium to become involved with because a book is not going to say, okay, at the end of chapter three, demonstrate that you know everything about the book and know all the information. And if you don't do it, it's going to slam shut and you can't go any further. And a a movie is not going to stop uh, after the third scene and say, uh, what have you learned so far? <laughs> yeah, and right. if you can't answer, the DVD melts. <laughs> like, yeah, like video games are this are this unique in this unique position where it's entirely self propelled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and that leads to experiences in the Stanley Parable, like I had, where you just find things when you find them, and they all mean different things because you found them at different points in your life, and yeah. you found them by exploring different uh, avenues to find them. And the Beginner's Guide, I think, is what kind of wraps that up and puts a bow on it of, like, not only do I feel that as a player, but creators feel that. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and you see that within the real Davey Redin, and you see that within the fictional coda of not only is it a personal experience to experience a game, but it's a personal experience to build a game. Yeah. And the way that those cross over, it crosses over much more heavily than a movie or a book yeah. mm-hmm. or things of, of those natures. So, anyway, I like video games.
2: <laughs> I heart vid video games. I heart vid games.
0: <laughs> Get that tattooed well, on my left butt cheek.
2: Please do. The it. left one? The left. What so about left. video the on one. the right, games on the left?
0: That's that would be good. backwards. The O is your, The O is actually just... Nope. Just, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I had the same thought. I had the exact same thought.
1: <laughs> oh, God. Ugh.
0: Anyway, A- yeah. are we moving on
1: to something else? Are we done with that I one? I say Shall we? we move
0: on. Okay. Right.
1: Who next? Amelia, you want to go right. next? You want me to go next? Sure. I can go next. Do you go next. Okay, so
2: this week... I had them watch a documentary called Hale County this morning, this evening, and um, it was gosh directed by Ramel, I think is his name.
0: Ramel Ross. I have the Thank Wikipedia you so much, Ramel
2: up. Moss. Um, and um, it was nominated for an Oscar in 2019. It's so um, good. So last year, yeah. So it, it's just to give a little backstory of what it is, it's basically like the director moved to Hale County um, in order to be a photography teacher at a high school. So um, and then in doing that, he, he decided to make a documentary about just like what it is like to be a black person in the South. Mm
0: -hmm. And it
2: is like the most extraordinary, like stunning visual, like, experience that like Mm -hmm. I have like ever had with like a documentary or or anything like that same it literally is an experience like it is not a narrative or some it's like it's not trying to push anything forward it is just showing life yeah that like I love that so much like I love documentary styles but I often feel with documentaries that it's just it's the same as a film it's just they have this like idea going into it and that's the story that they're going to produce based on these interviews and stuff yeah. like that. And it's not actually real. Like, when you have these kinds of, like, predisposed, like, I- expectations of what something's yeah. going to be, then it's going to be that. Mm-hmm. But if, if you, like, it was completely unbiased. It wasn't, tra- it was filmed yes. over five years. Like, yeah. he didn't just take, he wasn't like, oh, this is going to be a great storyline. Let's follow this. It, it was literally just the, the experience of what these people were living. And, like, it was boring at some parts. It was slow. It was, it was like, that's yeah. how life is. And yeah. the one, like, the great, the biggest takeaway I had, like, while watching it um, was I was just, like, I, I, as an editor, just I need to slow the fuck down because like there were so many shots that like lasted for like four like three four minutes like my favorite shot of, of the doc was the the toddler Just, that running just kept back running and back and forth. Yeah. Yes, and I went. Incredible. It was amazing. I went through I so many things while that was happening. At first, I was like, "Oh, this is adorable." And mm-hmm. then I was like, "Okay, this is this. I'm bored. What? Let's move on here." And then I was yeah. like, "Oh, I get it. Like I." This is just what's happening in their yeah. in their life. And I feel like I understand that. Like, I wouldn't have gotten that if it was just like, oh the kid runs by once or twice. Like, right. Like
1: I wouldn't have been brought into that. It experience. makes you feel like you're sitting there watching a child like w- watching your child run back and forth yeah. for ten minutes and you're yeah. like yeah. I'm trying to ignore you, but it's kinda hard, you know? Yeah. So it's like
2: and it's so uncomfortably long that it just, yeah. it makes you like totally aware of the fact that you you can't be fooled. <laughs> right. And you, I, th- you have to know.
1: And I think that, and I'm not trying to try to be like super woke and all this kind of stuff, but like, you know, I am a white person. We're all white people. And mm-hmm. so I think a lot of the point, the fact, like the long shots are uncomfortable because they're long, but it's like, Okay, it's it's one of those things where it's like, I'm going to hold your eyes open and make you look at it. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like that yeah. was the overall tone of the whole thing. It's like, open your eyes and look at this, and yes. you're going to look at it, and it's going to make you feel weird, and you're going to feel yeah. uncomfortable because it's, you need to check your privilege at the door. You know? It's like one of those things, and it like just took every convention of documentary film and flipped it on its head, and it was just, yeah, like showing the mundane mm-hmm. for an hour and 15 minutes or however long it was and then, well, not all of it was totally mundane, but, like, showing mostly the mundane for that entire Mm -hmm. time, and just to just be, like, it also made me, like, my own personal experiences, like, I have a really hard time, like, being grateful for where I am at the moment, and, like, trying to be present, and, like, being grateful for what I do have, and it really made me check that also, because I'm, like, I am very privileged and I do have more of these people and I'm ungrateful for that, you know, like, and like, you know, and it just made me like kind of mm-hmm. check that thought also, yeah. you know, because a lot of people would really kill to be in the position that I'm in. And it's like, oh, okay, you know, I should be, I shouldn't sit here and sulk about where yeah. I am and not being exactly where I want to be because a lot of people would want to be where I am right now, you know, so. Yeah. it Yeah, it was... Really cool. I liked it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Chris, what were
0: you going to say? So, this is one of those movies. This is like a once every few year movie for me mm-hmm. where it's just like immediately, like immediately, I was. I knew this was going to be like a huge thing for me. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And my dream has always been to to be able to make you can see all around you all the time like what in your life would make a good story yeah and 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 not necessarily like what you could take from your experiences and then write into a, a fictionalized version of that story like Everywhere I look, I see that if I recorded just a little bit of the moments in my life, I could connect. And not about me. Certainly not about me. Like,
2: yeah.
0: I could connect those and make a compelling story. Yeah. Um, And this movie does that, executes upon that mm-hmm. so perfectly. Mm-hmm. And what is clear about it, like you said, he had to move to this place and live there for five years. I mean, it's it's... Yeah. It's it's the true the truest of cultural ethnography where you just sit and steep in this environment yeah. and point your camera at everything that happens. Well, and also it, it's interesting because he didn't
2: move there to make this documentary.
0: He yeah. moved there because oh, of wow. because
2: of the job because he was um, you know a photography teacher and then just because of that he he made the documentary which I think is even better because it's like yeah it was it wasn't even like his purpose. To do right. that, and and yet, like, you know, well, that, I don't know. It just makes it even more real. Yeah,
1: like, watching this, it's like, you can definitely tell that, like, now that you say that, it's, like, glaringly obvious that this was not, mm-hmm. like, uh, okay, I'm going to travel to this place and do this thing. And no. it, it was, like, you know, most documentaries, it's like, okay, like, I'm watching someone else tell this exactly. story. Exactly. This one was like, I am living in this yes. story, I am living right. with these people, and yeah. I am getting the most intimate look into their and lives. And because
2: that, that's what the director was doing. Right. Like, it wasn't like, oh, I'm gonna travel to Zimbabwe for a month and like be this complete <laughs> outsider and try right. to like, understand the people there. Like, no. like you have to actually be a part of the community or, or a part of like something to, to make it be real. And that's why I feel like Chris, like I, I have those same thoughts all the time. I'm like, what, what am I waiting for to make? I'm like, I'm I'm Mm -hmm. waiting to make something for something to happen to me for it to be interesting or whatever. And it's just like, just living is interesting. Being a, a person and a part of, you know, whatever, if you can make it, Artistic and the fact that interesting. That's the fact good. that you're
1: alive is interesting. Yeah, and I think kind of going back to what I said earlier, like trying to be more present, which I know I personally have been trying to do, and be like, okay, I'm gonna live right now because like I could die, you know, you know, like any second, you know. Not to be like weird and gross, but like <laughs> it's <laughs> it's just like you know like what I'm doing right now is interesting. I'm alive, I'm a person, I'm making a way for myself and that is enough in itself, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, just appreciate that because you watch this, this film and you see these people that are just alive and doing their best and that's cool for them, you know? Yeah. And like, they're just doing it and they're just happy that they're alive and it's like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, like that's how people should live their lives.
0: Yeah. And And yeah, that's... I think what was so touching about it to me was they, they did not treat. Well, I, I won't even say they like the, like, cause for all intents and purposes, the director was a member of that community. Yes. Um, it's so rarely do we see such a lens on generally black communities in film. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, like especially black community, impoverished black communities, mm-hmm. um, and there's no hint of wanting to be a savior. There's no hint yes. of right. there's no like tragic bent to it. It is like it is just reality. Yeah, right. you can't. And, and and like the saddest parts of the movie. Have, have nothing to do with poverty. Yeah. Right. The saddest parts in the movie are things that happen to so many people mm-hmm. all the time, like the loss of a child, mm-hmm. yeah. um, it, missed opportunities, thing, things of that nature. Yeah, And it's... That was what was so, like, I, affecting about it, is just those were moments we're just going to keep saying the same thing over and over again, but those were moments that were lived by real people without any influence of a crew or interviews or anything like that. It was, they were real moments that happened Mm -hmm. and we were just along for the ride. Right. Yeah.
2: And I like how you said, like, it wasn't like, like, I feel like a lot of, of black stories are like something like crazy and like traumatic and like dramatic is happening like if if you're thinking of like the the like deep south like it's it's like i don't know some some like really bad thing is like is happening whereas this is just like i don't i don't know how to ar- articulate what i'm saying it's not like i'm not looking at it's this not like a like, huge as it's a not like huge event
1: like right yeah you're just looking into how they have to live their everyday life it's not like you're it's not like you're hearing about some big event that happened and it was directly, like, you know, black people Mm -hmm. were directly, you know, discriminated against and it was a big event. It's just like, no, you're just looking at how they live their everyday life. It's enough to just watch them. Like,
2: like, blackness is not a default in American society. Like, this film just makes it a default. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just them. It doesn't have to be anything more than that. It doesn't have to be this, like, traumatic story it's just their lives
1: yeah
0: Yeah. and and it and it lacks the feeling of and now i'm gonna shove a camera in your face and you're gonna tell me and by extension me or not 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 even me as a as a director like you're gonna tell me a well-off white guy like you're gonna tell me what it's like to be black yeah that's not that's not at all what what happens here and it and it reflects upon me the guilt that I have of looking at those stories as if they are spectacles rather mm-hmm. than experiences. Right. Yeah. Because um, ev- even if we are watching a documentary about a more um, highly produced documentary about black experience in America, it's going to make me rethink my interpretation of it because i'm i'm going to have to tell myself like hey don't you 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 don't just feel sorry for these people yeah like you don't just feel sorry about the the trials and tribulations in their life because they are trials and tribulations and i am it is perpetuating my privilege if i feel sorry for it yeah right exactly as if as if i personally have something to do with it I don't know. It's, it's such a bizarre it's, space to, to be it's in. It's like
1: a, like you don't look on them as an outsider because you're not. because Well, you are because you're white and you have a lot of privilege. I'm not trying to say that. But it's like we're all human beings, and you need to look in on these people as fellow human beings and yeah, not just right. be like, oh, well, I'm going to feel bad for you because you're a person of color. It's like, no, I'm going to feel bad for you because you are a human being and you don't deserve to go be, to be going through this right now you know, and it's like, like, nobody deserves to be going through that, regardless Mm -hmm. of anything, you know, because you're a person, and it's really, it's just really, really unfortunate that the situation, just the situation of society is in, and it's like, and, and kind of, you know, reiterating what we said before, like, you're just experiencing their lives along with them, it feels like, and you know, like, you watch other documentaries, and like, I know I've referenced the Falling for a Killer Ted Bundy thing 3,000 times, and I will continue to do so, (laughs) but it's like, even as a woman who is, and was watching a story about women who were murdered, like, I am part of that community, it was still like I was watching someone else's story, it's like, oh, this doesn't, this this doesn't happen to me, but it's like, I watched this one, and as someone who is not a part of this community, I felt, such a deeper connection because I was just like, oh my gosh, these are my fellow human beings and, like, look what they have to experience just mm-hmm. because because of something that they can't control and something they can't help and right. something that's not, like, it's just skin. You know, it's just skin. And it's, like, it, it was, like, a firsthand look into the constant oppression that is circulated through society in today's society and, like, the fact that this was a modern film and it's just still going on and you know it's just like really yeah. it's just really sad to see yeah. that and it's i watched uh, an interview with the
2: director and i thought it was interesting because he used the phrase um um like a um white gaze like you know uh, laura mulvey's yeah. like male gaze yeah so and and it's like I've never even thought of that before and of course I'm thinking of the male gaze constantly because right like you know that's just thrown in my face and I'm thinking about it but but I was like yeah that that is completely true because black people are put in a specific role traditionally in in movies and stuff and like that's how they're represented Mm -hmm. and yeah it's just it it it's like you need a different you just need to be represented in a in a holistic way obviously right. not a yeah
0: yeah we have not had nearly the same reckoning in terms of uh wow well, oh, shoot i had to, i had this great word in my head
1: um, I mean, you already said reckoning so
0: <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good one. The, the intrinsic, I won't even say intrinsic, what is the word? Like the um, subconscious, I guess. Oh, okay. yeah. Yep, that works. Yep. We, we have not had nearly the same reckoning about our subconscious biases about race in yes. film as we have about gender. I um, agree. Or sexuality. And, and it goes beyond, in my opinion, it goes far beyond just blank slate representation i think yes. blank slate representation is important of just like understanding that people of different identities or uh ethnicities so on and so forth can play any kind of character like that is yeah. an important step that we have to take right. but at the same time as critics and as viewers we have to stop ourselves from allowing that representation to change how we view a film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is it is, it is just as, in my opinion, it is just as offensive to say that Ghostbusters 2016, or whatever year it was, <laughs> Ghostbusters 2016 is a better movie than it is because it stars four women. Yeah. Like, it is just as offensive to, to say, yeah, and they did a great... And, and because there's women in it, it's that much better of a movie because... Then we're we're coddling. We're, we're, exactly. We're, we're, right. Yeah, we are denying the autonomy and the ability to make mistakes. You're saying
2: that a woman is not default again. Like you're just saying it's like exactly. It's like I don't, like I've heard this quote. Like I don't want to be the best like female filmmaker. Like I want to be the best filmmaker. Like there right. doesn't right. have to be this like like there shouldn't be a, a qualifier in that. Like just yeah,
0: just and I mean. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry,
1: taking away the the race and the gender and the sexuality identifier and not saying that like these forward leaps aren't important, like, you know, the first female or the first black or the first openly gay or whatever. Like that's important, but like you said, like you you wanna take these step forward these steps forward and you wanna be revered for what you do, not what you do in spite of your yeah. gender, your sexuality, your race, whatever. Yeah. It's like, no, just think just talk about what I do. Don't talk about what I do and like like oh, you're you're great. You're a great photographer for a woman. It's like, no, I'm a great photographer. Yeah. <laughs> period. Right. You know, it's like you know, yeah, kind yeah. of eliminating that around it. I don't really yeah. know where I was going with yeah. that, but I was just trying to the, trying to the, springboard yeah. off of what you said. <laughs> the yeah.
0: decentralization of a single ideology or perspective. yeah, and you
1: keep saying, like, whatever, like, right, you know, in society, white male is the default. Exactly. White, straight white male is the default. So, like, straight white men that achieve things, they're good at what they achieve. It's like, but then a woman comes in and achieves something, and she's good at it for a woman, or a black person comes in and achieves it, and it's like, oh, you're the first black person to do this, you're good at it for a black, it's like, no, it's like, you're just good at it, because you achieved it, because you did it, because you're good at it, period, end of story. Yeah the yeah. end I want to
0: I want to watch it again I yeah, want to watch it again, it's really and good again, and again
1: the last thing I
2: want to say about it and then we can move on is just um I really loved how like you could tell this was a documentary made by a photographer
0: like yeah came
2: at this with with a photographic like idea in mind and that's like that's me like that's where I come from things like mm. I don't I don't necessarily need a story or a or a a narrative in order for something to like be meaningful or or for you to have an experience you can look at a photo and 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 Mm -hmm. and have an experience I don't know and and you could just tell that this was it was about the experience it was not about the story or the narrative Mm -hmm. and that is like I want to make that like I want to make something like that so badly and then to like And I've always had that thought in my mind, but not really, like, able to, like, make it make sense to me. Um, Yeah. And then after watching that, I was like, oh my gosh, like, that's it. That's the kind of, like, that's what I want. And, like, I had this, like, feeling after I watched um, Breathless, which, I know, very pretentious of me to say this, (laughs) but I was like, I didn't under what was that movie, but it yeah. was the experience of it. And, yeah. and like right. it was the feeling that I got after watching it and I was like, fuck yeah, that was that was it. It was not about like the story or what was happening. Like it was right. it was totally about like the experience.
1: Man. Which I love. Do you remember our fucking <laughs> French film professor or whatever her fucking <laughs> name was who just had no idea the whole time? Were you in my class? Yeah. I was. And she just, Wait. like, she just like never posted anything. Remember? It was, like, me, you, and Taylor, and we would always just comment on each other's discussion posts. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was an online class, so I
2: completely forgot about that. Yeah, but was. I, was, yep. I, I watched um, Breathless in another one of my classes. Oh, we so watched. So that's why
1: I, I that's That was it, the only class yes. I watched it in but yeah <laughs> okay, she just like okay. never posted anything and just like yeah oh my gosh that was an that was an insane class <laughs> and she just like, like gave us all like a's and she's like yeah sorry I just like dropped off the face of the earth for a few weeks it's yeah. like yeah kind of She literally
2: did for an entire month she didn't post or reply to any of our emails and we were like it was getting to the end of the semester and we were like yeah, we Are we're we like, gonna do this final project like
1: yeah. what is happening like it That's was,
0: my it was like professor. on
1: the syllabus that we had all this stuff to do, and then she just never posted anything and like wouldn't respond to anybody for a whole month. And we were like, "What are we supposed to?" Do? <laughs> yeah. Oh
2: man, it's cray wild. Cray. And yeah, she's
1: like, "Yeah, y'all right. just like just do whatever. Write a page about yeah. something." And we were, like, "Okay, Yeah, us write something." Okay. But... All right, all uh, right. This real is quick a long, before we leave. Yeah. Sorry. Okay,
0: I'll move yeah, on we're, to we're... mine. Um, wait, 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 wait. Hang on. Oh, oh I have one thing about yes. this left. Um, off what you were saying, Amelia, about it being from a photographic perspective. Mm -hmm. The two people that I couldn't stop thinking about while I watched it were Gordon Parks and Stan Brakhage.
2: Okay, who are those people?
0: So Gordon Parks was a photographer who captured a lot of, like, in-the-moment black life photographs. Okay, um kind of like i I don't know a lot about photographic perspectives, but um there's experiential photography in a way mm-hmm. um and then Stan Brackage was a filmmaker, one of my f- absolute favorite filmmakers who a lot of his filmography was him scratching paint on film reels oh. like he would he would sh- he would put paint directly on the film and, and oh, this he is would beautiful i'm looking yeah at there's
2: them. <laughs> I, I looked them up
0: yeah um and it felt like photographs by gordon parks connected by like intermission films by stan brackage like a like a if that makes sense and and that sort of hit uh yeah. biology is is really really drew me in just stylistically yeah. among everything else that was happening and yeah it, stylistically it, it just
2: um you should recommend one of his films for next week <sighs> so i can watch it
0: hmm? okay that's gonna be a hard one because i have literally every we don't have, have to a, we a, don't a we have, have to announce of... it
1: tonight we can just be we can just be a surprise
0: yeah i'll okay I'll, it's a special surprise yeah.
1: okay
2: special surprise
0: I have all of them ripped onto my computer, so yeah. I can send them. <laughs> Thank
2: God. That will be great.
0: Um, it's like 800-something minutes of stand Brakhage footage. Amazing. <laughs>
2: oh, my gosh. I thought you meant one movie with 800 minutes. I was minutes like, oh, God. Oh. No, no, no,
1: no. <laughs> Where do I find 800 um, minutes? Yeah.
0: But yes, now now we should move on. We are Okay, okay we are.
1: I'll move on to mine. Mine probably won't be super long, because it's just an album. Um, so, I chose this week to talk about Queen 2, which is an which is Queen's second studio album. Um, So this is my favorite Queen album, uh, and it's one of their kind of neglected ones because it wasn't their first album, but it was also the album before A Night at the Opera, which, you know, housed Bohemian Rhapsody. And so they weren't... They didn't really blow up until Bohemian Rhapsody, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's why this album kind of goes unnoticed it also but like okay so the cover art though is like the famous picture that's used for everything which is like the the high contrast
2: Know yeah these songs yep
1: they they continue to use this for other things but it is like the original was for the cover art for this album um so yeah anyway um this is my (laughs) favorite queen album it is um like said that it's I, on their wiki, it says like it is quote arguably the heaviest Queen album, um, which I guess I kind of agree because first of all, sorry I've had two drinks and I shouldn't have done that before <laughs> I started recording this podcast. Um, so you know okay, Lee is getting into it when she puts her finger up. First <laughs> <Yeah>. of all, I <laughs> always fucking point. I start pointing I at it. shit. Um, you know, remember that picture of me out front in front of Harry's where I was like, I James, bitch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway I need, I, I've i had an oh. idea of something to do with that photo for a long time that I need to do please right. do it yeah.
1: please just do it Um. anyway yeah. Anyways, go ahead. Um. so <laughs> I would agree that this album is a little bit heavier I think this is the album where they start to experiment one of my favorite things about Queen is that they were genre benders and they just mm-hmm. they didn't have a like they obviously have a sound like you can tell it's Freddie Mercury singing but like they don't have a specific style. Like, you listen to, like, Led Zeppelin, and I love Led Zeppelin, but, like, their music sounds the same consistently. You listen to Fleetwood Mac, the music sounds the same consistently. Like, Queen, it's like, you go from this stuff to, like, Radio Gaga, and it's like, that's two polar opposite things. And it's just like the, you know, you want to talk about range, we can talk about range. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, so, this album is... A little bit nostalgic for me because, so, my dad is a musician, and he, I, I grew up listening to a lot of music, obviously, from his time, and, you know, so that he listened to, he just kind of, I hate being like, he cultured me with a lot of old music, but, like, he did. Like, it's just a fact. Um, and so, this is his favorite Queen album, and he likes it because they, quote, Rock the hardest on this album. um There was one time, so <laughs> my dad will just like rip CDs off of the internet, and it's like really low quality, and it sounds like shit. And then he'll play it in the car, <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah, I have Queen too. Like, I'll, I'll bring it in the car, and next time we go somewhere." And I was like, "Okay." And he brought it in the car, and it was like the farthest. <laughs> so, it sounded so far away, and it was just so like whatever. And I was like, I "Hate that." Yeah, I was like, "Oh yeah, Dad, this is amazing. I'm having a great time." But, um, yeah, he. I have this album on vinyl. He gave it to me, which, like, you know, oh, I just awesome. cried. Like, he had all these old records in my grandparents' garage, and he's like, just take whatever you want, and this was one of them. Um, but this album, to me, is like a narrative. And the story, I have, I don't fucking know. But the <laughs> way, just like, the way that everything flows into itself and like the fine line between w- when you do transitions like they do it's like then you you start g- going into the territory of like okay well like is every song going to sound the same because you're transitioning so it has to be similar but like right everything right. is so different on this album and like my my favorite transition hold on I have to find the um which song comes before it? Because I can't remember off the top of my head. Give me three seconds. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 I'm stressed. Um,
2: <laughs> uh, it's like when a mom is like, you better listen to me.
1: One, two. Oh, so the fairy fellers master stroke into Nevermore. Nevermore is my favorite song of this album. It's only a minute and 20 seconds long. Um, so it just, like, the piano just, like, slows down, and then suddenly it's the next song, and it's just, like, Nevermore is just a Uh follow-up, and it just has so many of those. Like, it opens with the procession, and then it goes into all these things, and I don't know. I just think it's a really cool narrative album. Um, but yeah, so this one... I... I... Oh, sorry. This one is just, it's regarded as, um, it's not super well known by you know, people, because it's, you know, I feel like, like every artist's sophomore album is just kind of like, it just gets swept under the rug and ignored. Mm -hmm. Um, but this was the one, and it says on their wiki too, it's like, this is when they first started to experiment with, you know, the overdubs, the harmonies, the weird styles, the variated genres, and like the weird bouncing between, you know, like they started really Mm -hmm. getting weird with stuff. And I think this album is accredited to that because their first album is still a little out there for the time, but it definitely is just, it's just rock music, you know? Um, yeah. but yeah, so this was like Queen still figuring out themselves. And I just, I just think it's really, really good. It's my favorite one. Yeah. So. I,
2: th- I think that like the way that they built this album is like, like, like you said, it all flows into one another and it makes sense as a as a thing as a whole mm-hmm. and I think like like that has been completely lost in like contemporary times with like yes. singles and like all of that it's like an album can like sometimes like like artists still do it but like in in the mainstream I feel like albums are not cohesive anymore right
1: well and in like the
2: same way that this is
1: right and when people like obviously it's like oh well this these two songs there was a cool transition but these two songs sound the same. I feel like in modern music, when people do do transitions, it's like, oh, that was cool. I noticed it. But like now the second song just sounds the same as the first one where it's like this one, it goes from like a rock song. There's a really cool piano transition and then it's just piano music, you know, and it's like it, it just completely just goes from one genre and beautifully, trans mm-hmm. like seamlessly transitions into a completely separate Something. It's the best
2: like kind of album to have on vinyl.
0: Yes, because I listen to, to it literally constantly.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: but yeah. I um, I think it's their most theatrical album. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Like not not one. Not only do the songs sound more like something that would be in a musical mm-hmm. than I think any of the any of their other music. But it also, like you said, it's it is a it's kind of like a proto-concept album in that everything. it feel like everything is happening in the same space and is progressing yeah. in real time, mm-hmm. rather than I'm listening to a song and now I'm listening to the next song. Yeah, it feels right. like it's being performed in real time as you listen to it. Yeah. Um, and I think this the experimentation on this album is what influenced my favorite parts of queen going forward yes absolutely um, meaning like my two favorite queen songs are probably uh, killer queen which is a really easy pick i know <laughs> but it, it balances out with this other pick which i think is not a lot of people's pick Maiden in heaven okay yeah which is a real real late era queen song like like post breakup and, and reunion queen song mm-hmm. um, was that and they go ahead was that post freddie's passing uh, the release might have been
1: yeah you're right um, you're right he
0: i think he wrote the song for his solo album and then they reworked right. it to be to be a group song a band yeah. song because they had they had um, like
1: a post like after he passed they released i think they released an album called made in heaven right am i wrong yes that okay. is the title track yes. from
0: that album yeah um but it's certainly his vocals and right. it's 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 the it's very heavy as well it's kind of like a distorted guitar like heavy drums mm-hmm. just kind of going at it and it's produced totally differently than this album is but i think killer queen you have this concentrated narrative in it you have you in that one song you have such a specific narrative about a person mm-hmm. and what what in that and then made in heaven you have it blown out to this huge scale of like we're talking about literally like gods constructing individuals and and it's you you run the gamut between those two things and i think this album does the both, does both of those does both of those extremes mm-hmm. um and that's i think what i really like about it
1: yeah I agree. Yeah, I think that's one of the things. Because, I mean, like, I like all of Queen's music. And I was actually, I was reading through this Wikipedia and my favorite Queen song is Keep Yourself Alive. And apparently that song flopped. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was a
0: single. I just saw that Yeah, I didn't
1: know that until just now because I'm like, oh, it's my favorite one, so it must have been great. But, like, that song (laughs) apparently just went over terribly. Um, But yeah, I mean, my like I said, my favorite thing about Queen is how different they are and how experimental they are. and they just make music that doesn't sound like other music, even though I, on this album, they were accused, I guess of like trying to be like
0: the next Led Zeppelin or whatever, which I don't hear. I can hear. oh, i I don't know if they were trying to, to be mean... the next Led Zeppelin, but i I've heard, like, the weaving of like fantasy elements yeah, and things like that. I guess that. Into that it, I can...
1: But I but I feel like I feel like people I don't know. I feel like most people cuz like at at this point in time when this was popular when Zed's Zeppelin was like like that was like what was just popular music, I feel like people right. weren't listening to the fantasy elements. You know, they were just like, yeah, this rocks. That's a this good rocks point. hard, you know, like like right now like we That's aren't listening point. to like we aren't analyzing today's music. You mm. know what I mean? And I feel like people weren't analyzing that part of it. Because, yeah, like, when you, go, when you get into that, absolutely, like, it definitely sounds. But I feel like a lot of rock music back then wrote about a lot of different, like, a lot of weird shit, you know? Like they Maybe just, it
2: was more of just, like, it, it was influenced by the time, less of Led Zeppelin. Now, looking right. back, we're like, Led Zeppelin was an extremely famous thing. So we're just going to equate these two things when, really, they probably were right. both pulling from just the culture in general. Right. And well, it and it that, that's like
1: the thing with music, people are like, "Oh, this so like so and so ripped off so and so from the 80s." It's like music people from the 80s ripped off so and so from the 50s. Like it just it just happens. Music yeah, evolves exactly. and that's how and like you get ideas from other people. Like that it's just it's just how it is. So, but yeah, like I I I don't really hear musically. I don't think that I hear any, like, real, like, standout similarities to Led Zeppelin, which, I mean, maybe that's just because I distinguish the two bands so (laughs) distinctly and listen to them so separately. I don't know, but, like, yeah, I just, I think, I mean, I guess the theatrics, yeah, would be the same, but I feel like Queen and Led Zeppelin were not the only people doing that, you know? Yeah, So I don't know where, why that was such a big deal that they were doing that, because everybody was over the top and just wild and, weird and you know the 70s and 80s so but
0: I think I think an important distinction between Zeppelin and Queen for me is Queen feels like the theatricality is from a place of like true love for the theater yes whereas Led Zeppelin's sort of theatricality comes from like a kind of like a drunk bro You're like dude yeah. Can yeah. you like like could you imagine <laughs> if like land of ice and snow like yeah. dude. yeah yeah and, and and one is not better than the other in my opinion i think they're both genuine in their in their individual ways right. but i think it really does come through in the final sound of it of like
2: i like that analogy <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> good it's
0: good queen's music is so it, it is it is led so strongly by the vocals mm-hmm. and and the the production thereof and led zeppelin is much more driven by instrumentality yeah. yeah instrumentation and the lyrics are kind of there as a bonus right exactly the foundation of each of those artists is totally different right
1: well and i mean i sorry go ahead no, you go ahead. I was just well, gonna
2: say I I don't know anything about Led Zeppelin, so oh. I, can't even, I, can't, I can't add to this conversation
0: whatsoever.
1: Well, I just I mean, you know, all of the all of the members of Queens, you know, they all have they all sing on multiple albums. They all are very present. There's no but like Freddie Mercury is the lead singer, and I know that you know he would always say you know I'm I'm not I'm not the leader. I'm not this. So I'm just part of it. You know, which you know bless his soul but like he just had he just had this energy that is just so unlike anything else that i've ever experienced and that any other musician has ever brought to the table i mean like and i guess i mean that's just my personal opinion i think he's the best musician of all time he's my idol but like like you said like It is so driven by the vocals and so driven by the theatrics and everything about him from head to toe inside and out he embodied that you know Mm -hmm, and it's like and and you can just hear like even without seeing him you hear in his voice that he is performing at all times yeah do you know what i mean he's not just going into the studio and singing he is performing all the time Mm -hmm. i think i remember from
2: bohemian rhapsody um the movie I think I remember, like, in the movie, he like uh, introduced himself as a performer. Like, he didn't mm-hmm. introduce himself as like a singer or a, a right. songwriter or whatever. He's like, I'm a performer. Like, yeah, he was and, like, an you entertainer. Can period. Definitely see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, and I mean, and I and I think that they that all of the members had had a little bit of that in them, but. Mm nobody has ever ever matched his level of it you know he was just yeah. so over the top in in such a unique way and I mean I mean you had people like Michael Jackson and stuff like that which probably could compare but in the rock music scene
0: yeah there yeah. was no
1: one there was yeah. just no one else keeping up with that level of energy and that level of performance performance because like you said like obviously there you know there's drugs and alcohol and whatever it was the 70s it was the 80s but like you can kind of hear that <laughs> in other people's music and I feel like you don't yeah. really hear it in Queen you know what I mean I just feel like it's just not this there is... as much mm-hmm This is totally
2: off-topic, but everyone equates, like, the 70s and 80s to, like, so much drug use. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's actually, like, do you think there was more back then? Or do you think, like, that was just, like, we say
1: that? I think it... Because I feel like it hasn't really changed. I don't think it's really changed. I think it was that, and I think it was just, like, it was... I don't know. Because people are pretty open about it now, but I feel like, especially celebrities back then... Like that was just what you did, and they weren't—they weren't weren't shy about it, you know.
0: There was way less information about the damaging effects of lots of those substances, yeah. Um, Yeah. and they weren't regulated or criminalized nearly as much as they are now. Yeah, I think that's. There was the stigma around it wasn't
1: as. like, right. yeah. as extreme as it is now, because now it's like, oh my gosh, you do drugs, you're a bad person, it's like, oh no, you do drugs, like, you're cool, you're like a celeb, you yeah. know,
0: like... And, that, and uh, it's the same with cigarettes, like, right. pe- every, everybody mm. smoked, True. and now it is it is considered a taboo by a lot of people. Right.
1: And I think um. that's what it was, I think it was just so, like, it was equated to being cool, and like, you know, like, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, like, that was the 70s, you know, so like... <laughs> Right. It was just cool to do. I think yeah. that's that's probably why. Yeah. But all right,
2: that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense.
1: But yeah, all I guess right, I don't have. Wrap this yeah, up. I don't have too much more to say about this. It's a good album. You should listen to it, please, for the love of God. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it. I was very glad that you
2: recommended this because I was just completely astounded at my not knowing a single song on this album before listening to it. This was one's like
1: how 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 has this happened? This one's the best one, in my humble opinion. I mean, like I love it all, but this one is just cohesively the best. Not a bad song on it, I don't think. But
2: okay, should so so we're not gonna announce what we're gonna talk about next week yet.
0: I'll put them in the show notes. What we need to decide by like tomorrow. Yeah, I gotta think about it a little more if that's possible. Yeah. I have an idea, but I'm not going to say it because I might change my mind. Yeah, I also have um, an idea,
1: but I also might change my mind. I've had two drinks. <laughs> yeah, I've so. had two drinks, so anything's possible. <laughs> Anything. Sex, drugs, <laughs> rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> white claws. Is that sex? Oh, t- <laughs> <laughs> sex, drugs, rock and roll, and white claws. <laughs> and white claws. God. Hell yeah, hell bro. Yeah. Bro. Oh.
0: yeah. Anyway. All right. And with that, we're going to sign off. Uh, Bye. for listening. And keep a look. Yeah. Keep a look out for the show notes to see uh, what what's going on. We're talking about next week. Uh, I'm sure it'll be fantastic. Comment
2: on our stuff. What was your favorite part of each of our things? Ooh. I
0: don't know. Where can, where can people comment?
1: I don't know. Like uh, this, should we make a social media so that they can comment and interact yeah, with I us? Yeah. I guess
0: comment on the Facebook posts and tweets. And yeah. All that stuff. Yeah.
1: Should we make yeah. a social media specific to us? We can talk about it later. We don't talk about right now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Some of the one of these days yep. we'll, we'll, we'll do, do that.
1: <laughs> I just felt like That's I had to work. say that at the end of,
2: of all podcasts. Don't forget basically. to subscribe. Like, yeah. Like, subscribe.
0: comment, subscribe, please. 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 It's the only way that I can continue to purchase egregious amounts of tennis shoes. <laughs> please
1: if only we made money off of podcasting oh. what a dream Man. let's get some a- every time, hey if you know every time
0: I-, I post uh no, go ahead say it, <laughs>
1: say it. Say it. Say
0: it. Every, every time i post a new episode on anchor uh it says hey do you want to sign up for sponsorships and i'm like yeah i do and then i post it at work every day because it's it's like at noon i want to post a thing to to come out at uh-huh. noon um and every time it says okay record your first ad read and i'm like oh god <laughs> I don't. I can't. I'm in my office. I like, <laughs> I can't do that. Also, nobody has um, so, asked us
1: to read an ad, right? Like, then we have to get? Asked well, the first,
0: first uh, the first one you do is for Anchor itself. Ah. And then after that, it's like, hey, you can, uh, if if you get enough traction on your episodes, then we'll forward you along some relevant uh, sponsors, yeah. and then you can do all that jazz. Yeah, we but should for sure. We'll do that eventually. Yeah. Because the the problem is, I think the anchor puts it at like the beginning and the end, which is fine. But some of them will like cut in in the middle, yeah. Or like algorithmically drop the ad in, and I just don't want it to cut in in the middle of a sentence. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's kind of. And then
0: come back out. Yeah, so that going forward, we'll look into that. But we have three listeners to have an audience first. Yeah, (laughs)
1: yeah.
2: So everyone listen. So and if you're listening, then thank you. And Thanks. if you're not, then... Sorry. Then well. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're not, and um, I'm talking to myself.
0: I guess uh, I will mention, though, if people are listening and they want to talk about whatever, um, you can write in. We have an email address. Uh, we do? You can write in to the last 3 things at gmail.com. All one word. This is um, amazing. I'm and gonna write an email fill to fill our us. inbox with questions. Go for it. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> um,
2: yeah, that's what we that's... should tell people to do. Email us. Yeah. Email. It.
0: Email us. Do it. Docs me. Fill my inbox. <gasps> no, this I don't like that. This
2: would be great, mm. and then we can talk about whatever y'all y'all want to talk about. Yeah. Sometimes.
0: Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes, but <laughs> yes. also what we want
2: to talk about because we're selfish. But we right. want.
0: But what we want mostly. And this is our show.
2: Okay, All right. I got to right. okay. pee real bad. This has been bad. a long-ass, yep. long long-ass <laughs> Yes, Yes. So. I got to go because I got to pee real bad. Okay. Go for After it. Those t-
0: Deuces. Deuces. Deuces up.
1: Oh, Jesus. Oh, that's
0: good. That's good. Amelia's
1: been recording for three days up until this point. <laughs>
0: I'm running a a new microphone through a USB audio interface that I've never actually recorded into. I've only used it to send sound out and I think everything's fine.
1: Well, we'll find (laughs) out later if it's not.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to...
1: uh,
0: I mean, I see the waveforms coming up and everything. That's no problem. I'm just trying to see where my level should be because... I'm clipping in a weird way. I don't know. It's just turn it down.
1: Just turn it down in post. Lol. (laughs) (laughs) Lol. That's what I do. I'm really good at editing.
0: I'm gonna say that's okay.
1: (laughs) The best. I'm the best. (laughs) I'm swirling my wine in my glass. (laughs) For those of Uh, you who can't see me, which is everyone. Do we want to? Leah looks like a bad, Eh. bad bitch. Okay, Chris, baby. where's your
2: beer this week? Where's your craft Oh, I have beer? I've
0: really not had much beer in the last week. I feel like I've had like two or three. Well, I had tried to drink. I tried to drink one the other night. Two
2: or three not a lot for a like week? in a week. Well, it's like, Wednesday. Do you mean I mean Wednesday? since last Wednesday? Oh, okay, yeah. okay, Wednesday
0: to Wednesday. No, I don't mean oh, in the I last getcha. three <laughs> days. Um, I tried to drink one the other night, and I got about two thirds through it, and I was like, I'm just not enjoying this. I don't feel good. I think I'm kind of on a, like, a detox time for yeah. it. You
1: start yeah. drinking um, I totally Bud Light that. Seltzer.
0: Oh, God. Oh, my gosh.
2: <laughs> I haven't tried one of those.
1: We have, I have a giant White Claw in the fridge. I was going to drink it, but I figured it was too much for a Wednesday night. But when Luke and White I. White Claw Wednesdays. Club going up.
0: Club is going
1: up. <laughs> but when Luke and I were in Grand Rapids, like, we weren't going to, like, buy fancy drinks out. Yeah. For a million dollars, so we I went to the gas station and I got three of like the big ones, like the like, mm-hmm. piece tea sized white claws. Tall boys. Tall, Tall boys. Boy. And then we still have one in the fridge. I'm saving Gosh. it for Friday. I don't work on Friday, so I'm about to get turnted.
0: Day drunk. <laughs> uh, one one p.m. One p.m.
1: Alone in my living room.
2: I would just That's... love to get day drunk. I haven't done that in so long.
1: I haven't done that. I've only done it a f- few times, and I've regretted all of them. Oh, <laughs> I love it. It's the best. Well, okay. So, do you remember Chris's Halloween party? <laughs> yeah. Because I breakfast clubbed that morning, and was <laughs> severely okay.
2: Breakfast Club is different. I've never done Breakfast Club.
1: Oh, I, that, I, that's... we did it. We did it twice. We did it on Halloween, and we did it for Grand Prix. And for Grand Prix, we went as grandmas, and Caroline put Werther's Originals in her fanny pack, <laughs> and we're on the cactus dance floor, and she's giving people Werther's. She's like, you want sweet, <laughs> you want sweet, sweetie? And they were, people were taking them. And I'm like, don't I take candy from strangers. One.
2: I love those
1: things. <laughs> but yeah, it was pretty good. <sighs> but I also amazing. did not, f- well, no, I was okay after I slept. I woke up, and everybody else was still asleep, so I did some embroidery it was really magical
2: <laughs> you really embraced the grandma i did team <laughs> no embroidery is dope all right let's do this thing. yeah let's, let's start i'm gonna Kay. count from five okay
0: five four three two